0: what up what up fantasy people this is the true north fantasy football podcast i am travis seal i'm back with my co-host tyrell mclaughlin ty what's cracking my man
1: oh you know same old same old i was just telling you before we fired up the pod here that i was having a little henry Ruggs epiphany as i close some tabs up to get ready here what's going on with you
0: Not too much, man. Not too much. Been diving pretty heavy into the rookies here, so I'm getting pretty excited for draft season. I actually, my first rookie mock draft is underway. I even got a startup going that's just about coming to a finish, so uh, it's heating up. no time like the present. Absolutely, yeah. A season ended like a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I'm definitely Uh,
1: a month or so away from, from some startups and rookie drafts for sure. But best balls, best balls, best balls.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so another good episode on tap today, my man. We're gonna we're gonna be talking a little bit about our quarterback and tight end rankings for the uh, rookie class. So as we did on the last couple episodes with the running backs and wide receivers, we're gonna throw out our top fives. We're gonna talk a little bit about those players, and uh, it's gonna be a good little little unwrapping of some of these guys. Uh, some of our listeners may know them, some of them may not, and we're gonna we're gonna give some information and maybe a little bit of stats and stuff to get them prepped.
1: Yeah, definitely uh, an episode for the super flexors out there.
0: Yeah, big time.
1: And I, I think for tight end sake, you know, they're, these guys are pretty unknown right now. So I'm happy to kind of introduce a lot of these guys to people because it, it took a little bit of digging because I didn't watch a lot of tape on tight ends, believe it or not, during the regular season. There's just so much to do NFL wise. So it's it's been uh, really interesting digging into these tight ends. And I think a lot of people will be interested by by some of these guys
0: for sure. After that, we're going to flip over to NFL mode, and we're going to talk a little bit of quarterbacks in uh, in the NFL as well. So we're going to talk about some of the guys that are going to be free agents or potential trade targets, and then we're going to talk about some of the teams that are quarterback needy and kind of where we see them fitting into the landscape of quarterback free agency in the trade market.
1: Yeah, just a, a wild offseason we're about to embark upon. Mm-hmm. Can't wait. So shall we embark on these prospects, especially these quarterbacks? Let's go. Let's go.
0: Yeah, let's do it. So we're going to talk about, like I said, our top five quarterback and tight end rankings in the first part of the show. So Uh, With that, I just want to mention that we are going to have our rankings up on the site within the next week, Uh, so you'll see our rookie rankings to start, and then we'll get our dynasty rankings up uh, shortly after. Uh, We got a little bit of a revamp coming to our rankings page, and we're pretty fired up for that, so uh, yeah, let's get into the quarterbacks. Ty, do you want to give me your number one quarterback?
1: Okay, it is Jalen Hurts. I'm just kidding, it is. (laughs) My number one quarterback is Joe Burrow, no doubt about it. He's 6'4", 216 pounds. He's a little bit of an older prospect out of LSU, people might forget he actually started his career at Ohio State. He is from Athens, Ohio, after all. So Joe Burrow, just like Baker Mayfield, just like Kyler Murray, he transferred, and he's going to be a number one overall pick at the quarterback position. And yeah, I mean, he really had a year for the ages. Hey, draft?
0: Yeah, it was it was an unbelievable season. He won the Heisman, of course. He set SEC records in passing yards and passing touchdowns. Uh, threw for, you know, over 5,000 yards and 60 touchdowns. So that was pretty unbelievable to see that and culminated with a national championship, rolling around with a cigar in his mouth <laughs> like a boss. So uh, it was it was a good year for Joe Burrow. Yeah,
1: completed over 75% of his passes. And yeah, those 60 touchdowns, 64 total touchdowns, including the rushing. And he did all that against one of the most difficult strength of schedules you could have in college too. And Joe Burrow also had the best PFF grade ever given to a quarterback. Uh, when, when you ask if he was just a product of that LSU offense, or if he's an elite prospect, like I really do think he is probably an elite prospect. I'd point to a few things like the fact he had to learn that pro style offense in just one year. And you you know, accuracy is big for me, Trav. It's top of my list. And Burrow's very accurate, Mm -hmm. very accurate and instinctively accurate. He makes all the throws makes most look easy. And he also shows trust in his wide receivers. And he does all that without causing turnovers. He's just super calm, collected, cool. I think protection will be important at the next level. Maybe we can talk some Joe Burrow, Jonah Williams, Bengals stuff at a later date. But yeah, Burrow's just makes really good decisions. He goes through his reads. And I really just think a lot of what he does will translate to the next level.
0: Yeah, I love it, man. Um, I'm going to spoil it. And uh, Joe Burrow is my quarterback one as well. <laughs> uh, for all the reasons you said, um, his accuracy is actually pretty off the charts. I, l- I looked a little bit into it, got a little nugget here that uh, only two quarterbacks since 2000 have had... 75 percent completions on 400 plus attempts one of them was joe burrow obviously and the other one was colt mccoy in 2008 and joe burrow is actually the only guy to do it with 500 plus attempts since 2000 so uh that's a pretty stellar number especially on that many attempts to have over 75 percent uh, completion percentage is stellar he's got deep accuracy as well he's got pocket presence um a lot of people talk about how he doesn't really have an elite arm but I don't know, man. I think he's going to be fine in an adaptable NFL offense. He he can make those deep throws. He's not going to win a long toss award in uh, in the NFL, but he can make the deep throws and he can make them with accuracy, which is the key factor there.
1: Yeah. I love what you said about the the completed passes and it doesn't surprise me. It shows how consistent he was. And he completed over 70% of his passes in every single game in 2019. And talk about consistency. His worst game this year was against Florida. He had 293 yards. That was his lone game under 300 yards passing this year. Like it. It's ridiculous. And I, I talked about decision-making. Like, he always just pulled the ball down at the perfect time. He kept defenses off balance. It's cliche, but he's always keeping his eyes downfield, too. And mm-hmm, yeah. just lots of extended plays that were broken plays turned into huge yardage plays. And his true rushing upside, it won't be immense. Like, I, I think of him almost like I would Dak Prescott when it comes to mobility at the next level, when it comes to fantasy upside. Maybe we can talk some goal line Joe Mix and Joe Burrow at a later date.
0: Yeah, uh, totally. Because
1: we definitely, we will get into that in, in the offseason at some point, the the Bengals are probably building around a couple of Joes for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, I liked what you said about the rushing work. He rushes at the right times and uh, I don't think he's going to be one of these, you know, maybe 500 plus yard rushers in the NFL, but he can definitely get it done and he's going to pick up a lot of third downs with his legs for sure.
1: Yeah. And you said it before he'll compensate with that deep, deep passing efficiency. Like he led the nation in 2019 in touchdown passes that traveled more than 20 yards in the air. He had 26 of them. Like he, He really, as long as he can be schemed up to get these deep shots, he's going to succeed. And you said, you know, these guys don't have strong arms, but neither did Baker, neither did Kyler, neither did uh, Tua. But they are extremely accurate and they can put it in a basket for their wide receivers on the sidelines, you know, almost anywhere on the field. So I, I really like Joe Burrow's upside when it comes to fantasy because of the deep work. When you look at Joe Burrow in the red zone, he is just off the charts, man. Like, he was 55 out of 76 on passes in the red zone. More than 50% of his completed passes went for touchdowns. Mm-hmm. He had a 41% touchdown rate in the red zone, 0% interception rate. So, yeah, he had 31 red zone touchdown passes, 0 interceptions. So, like, Joe Burrow, he puts all those those pieces into your puzzle that you want for, like, an elite quarterback at the next level. Uh, actually, Trev, before we get into fantasy stuff, do you see any team – is there any smoke to this fire? Do you see any team putting together a package sweet enough to move up for, for Joe Burrow in the draft, or is it Cincinnati?
0: I don't think I don't think they'll be able to put a package together that's sweet enough for Cincinnati. Um, and the reason I say that is just how quarterback needy the Bengals are. I think no matter what package comes at them, they are going to want to get this, you know, this bulletproof prospect, so to say. And uh, I think Joe Burrow is that for them, and they're probably getting ready to start their future with him at the helm.
1: Yeah, even the Bengals can't screw this up, I think. But it is interesting. There's been a lot of funny comments. Like, the smoke. there's a lot of smoke in the fire, I guess. But you have to determine if it's just, you know, media, bored with a long offseason ahead with a pretty certain number one overall pick. Uh, But there's a, you know, (laughs) there's a small likelihood that he could pull the Eric Lindros. Like a 1% chance that he he refuses to play for him or whatever. But, you know, being an (laughs) Ohio boy, I don't think he will.
0: No, no. Pulling an Eli
1: yeah exactly yeah but the funny thing is it's just the the Carson Palmer sewing circle of draft narratives going on Carson Palmer makes negative statements about the Bengals and not contending for a Super Bowl then Joe Burrow makes comments about wanting to play for a team committed to winning the Super Bowl and Joe Burrow hires Carson Palmer's famous brother uh the quarterback trainer but yeah, yeah so a lot of fun and games there <laughs> but for for fantasy travel where, where are you looking at taking him in super flex like if you're, say, 6 or 7 overall in your Superflex rookie draft, are you, are you starting to look at Joe Burrows, or is he going to be gone at that point already?
0: By 6 or 7, he's definitely going to be gone. I think in a Superflex rookie draft, he's going to be probably the 101, no matter what, in my opinion.
1: Oh, yeah, I def- I'm i not taking him over the running backs, and uh, I don't know. I guess I would take him probably at the 103 or 104. Depends where J.K. Dobbins It's just going to be really landing spot-driven, I think but yeah i probably he probably won't be a guy that i'm taking early in a super flex i'll probably just i i probably trade out of that pick to be honest if uh if that's the way he's going to be valued
0: yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Trading out would be a good option if you are solidified at the quarterback position. I think some of that's a little bit roster dependent too because you know it's really easy to get in a shady spot at quarterback in Superflex. Mm-hmm. So if you are, then Joe Burrow might just be a must for you um, or you could potentially trade back a little bit and hope that he lands at the 3-4 spot. But um, most guys are probably going to be taking him at the 101 or that's that's what I've seen so far for Superflex. What do you think about for, for one quarterback dynasty? Um, Where where ish do you think that you're going to slot him in into your rankings? Do you think he cracks the top 12?
1: Yeah, he'll be in my top 12 for quarterbacks for sure. But I don't think I'll be able to, you know, I I really got to do a little more research on that for sure when we get up to leading up to drafts. But for the time being, there's no way I'm going to be sliding him up uh, in dynasty, even startups, you know, ahead of the Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray tier. I just, I don't think I'll be there. What about you? Yeah,
0: for sure. I think he would probably be at the back of the tier behind that.
1: Mm hmm. He probably replaces James Winston now that we feel like he won't be back in Tampa Bay, you know.
0: Mhm. Probably in, you know, that 10 to 12 area. Um but yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting watch cuz him and Tua are going to be uh big dynasty assets going forward.
1: So is Tua your number 2 quarterback?
0: Yes, he is. Yes, he is.
1: That makes two of us. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you can never have too many Tua jokes <laughs> as our buddy Tommy said <laughs> uh, on uh, on Twitter there. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a pretty clear tier, actually, those two, um, Burrow and Tua. And then there's a bit of a drop-off after that. But uh, Tua is my clear number two. And I think without that hip injury, he would be pushing for that number one spot. Um, I think, obviously, Joe Burrow's massive season has a hand in uh, in his ranking. But Tua's right there with him, man. He's, he's got the leadership. He's got the pocket presence. Uh, he's got, you know, really nice arm talent. And uh, I think he's going to be a, a good starting quarterback in the league. What do you What do you think about Tua?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he's a, a, a slighter frame guy. He's 6'1, 218 out of Alabama. Uh, he, you know, made Jalen Hurts kick rocks there, really came onto the scene. He, Tua's also an old fashioned lefty. I like to mention I that. I like of that course. too,
0: yeah. The Southpaw.
1: And there, we don't have him right now in the league, so it's in, I'm excited. So, roller coaster calendar year for Tua. That's what comes to mind. You know, he came into the 2019 NFL season under. We all came in under a couple assumptions last offseason is what I'm saying. Uh Vailoa, he was the number one overall pick teams were chasing last offseason, and Miami was the team broadcasting to the world they were tanking for Tua. Mm-hmm. And the fact alone that there's like a copyrighted phrase inferring Tua was the unquestioned first overall pick kind of shows you how much can change and frankly how chaotic football is and how bad we are at predicting draft prospects a year out from, from the NFL draft. So the only thing I... I have concerns with is the injuries is, you know, how insulated because last year, the only tiny concern we would have had before the injuries was to, uh, has just been his insulation in college. You know, he's playing for Alabama. They have the best wide receiver group I've seen in a long time. And, uh, you know, just a top offensive line, a top run game. And sometimes you wonder how those quarterbacks will deal with adversity. You've literally never experienced it, but the, the injury kind of puts that to bed because, you know, it was a horrible injury he suffered. And early talk was that his two thousand twenty season was seriously in jeopardy. It was a dislocated hip, a posterior wall fracture, along with a concussion and broken nose, but he's dealt with injuries and you know, I, I'm pretty excited that his medical card's coming up positive right now at every every turn. Even this week we got some positive news on his injury recovery.
0: Yeah, it's looking like he has a real shot to be like ready for this maybe the start of the season, uh, which is pretty miraculous given the outlook that we had when he was first injured, like you said. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see him in the league, man. It's, it's, there's a lot of question around his draft spot. Like you said, the Dolphins, um, they were tanking for two a hard, uh, but then we hear a lot about teams maybe wanting to move up and try and take him. Uh, his, his draft spot is going to be definitely one to monitor. Uh do you think somebody's going to trade up or do you think the Dolphins go after them? Uh, do you think they trade up to the two spot and pull a Chicago and just make sure they solidify him, or what?
1: Yeah, I definitely think it's up for debate. I mean, a team should be trading up for Tua, that's for sure. Miami holds a lot of the cards because they draft ahead of teams like Carolina, teams like the Chargers, teams like the Oakland Raiders. And I think Detroit's very interesting in this debate, too, because they pick at three. We've heard the rumors about Matt Stafford and his tradability, and, and then you start talking about some of the partners that they might be associated with when you're talking about trading, and it, it, you just got teams like the Carolina Panthers, the Chargers, Oakland, all these teams are quarterback needy, but yeah, Miami definitely has their foothold on, uh, on the rest of the teams when it comes to this quarterback class, because... Detroit would definitely like to only move back to the five overall spot for sure
0: yeah and then they know that they're going to be getting another one of those first round picks with it and I don't think any other team has the firepower that uh, Miami Dolphins are going to have to move up in the draft if they wanted to do so so what about Tua's value do you think in in a regular dynasty league that you would put him into the back of your top 12 or would you you know would you put him more top 15 in, in a dynasty league
1: Yeah, I'll put him right behind wherever I put Joe Burrow, I guess. Uh, you know, if if T. Higgins lands in a crap spot or maybe J.K. Dobbins or Jonathan Taylor end up in a Derrick Henry 2016 scenario, like, that could bump Joe Burrow and Tua up my board. Like, that could be the small difference. Also, it's important to remember Juju A.J. AJ Brown. Just because a player looks buried or looks to be in a horrible fantasy spot, overwhelming talent can transcend that. But de- definitely Tua is in the first round for me in superflex rookie drafts but i didn't know people were considering these guys at the top half of a uh, superflex rookie draft i don't know if i'm there
0: no way yeah i think it's just the quarterback scarcity but uh, you know you could you could see them fall a little bit i think Tua is probably more of a candidate to fall a little than than is Joe Burrow but we got a lot of rookie mocks to to draft in order to get a gauge on where that values at
1: you know, he's going to be a huge target of mine, I think, in redraft super flex in that Keeper League draft. Keep on keeping on. Mm-hmm. He might be one of my biggest targets in that draft, maybe seventh round range in that draft. But I think I'll be taking advantage. I think there will be a lot of separation or deviation between Joe Burrow and Tua's fantasy value. And I think I'm going to have a lot of them this year. As, as for one QB, I'm not sure I'll be heavily invested in any of these quarterbacks if I can get Tua in the back. The back of the second of my one quarterback dynasty rookie drafts maybe I'll do that but you know he is a profile player I want as my backup quarterback on my dynasty teams Tua and Joe Burrow are really the only two rookie quarterbacks I think we should be really high on for that uh when it comes to one quarterback leagues for fantasy do you have any interest in one quarterback leagues in Joe Burrow or Tua yeah, well,
0: it really depends. Like if it's a league where I'm going to take a back, backup quarterback, uh, then I would probably take one of them because they're going to be pretty cheap. And I think that both of them are going to get some meaningful starts. Um, but it really depends on the league. If uh, if quarterbacks are flying off and I decide to take a second one, uh, there is a chance that I might only take one quarterback and they probably wouldn't be the person I would rely on there. So uh, there is some interest. Um, we just, you know, we've got to see the landing spot. We've got to see if these teams add any weapons as well because, You know, if they retooled in Cincinnati and Joe Burrow went there, then he could rise a little bit, even though I think he has pretty good weapons there right now. Um, And then Tua in Miami is a little bit of an interesting one because it looks like they're going to be bringing uh, bringing Fitz back to be kind of the stopgap guy. And, you know, we don't even know if he's going to be a stopgap because Tua could take over if he's healthy. Uh, So there's a little bit more questions as far as Tua for my one quarterback interest. But um, yeah, as a backup, I could see myself doing that.
1: Okay, so I'm going to roll into my quarterback number three, Justin Herbert, a big giant Oregon boy. He has 10-inch hands, 99th percentile breakout age, and he has that dangerous combination of prototypical size and that big arm. So, you know, a really up-and-down college career, lots of peaks and valleys, especially relating to his NFL draft stock. But since the Senior Bowl, his top 10 NFL draft status, it seems to be cemented. And we could hit that really quick, Trav, old news, but we are digging into these guys here. Herbert was the MVP of the Senior Bowl. He apparently showed off his leadership abilities, and we were hearing players legitimately gravitated towards Justin Herbert at the Senior Bowl, and he certainly sullied hard in the game with the boys. So yeah. <laughs> he has always, hes he, he, the one thing I want to say, though, is he was always going to dominate the Senior Bowl. He's made for the Senior Bowl, kind of. I think his profile of quarterback always will light up the practice settings, uh, what what are your early thoughts on Justin Herbert up here in the Pacific Northwest? Yes, yeah,
0: <laughs> not quite a hometown boy, but uh, he's up here and... I don't know. I'm not sure what to think about him yet. Uh, I've dug into him. There's stuff I like. There's stuff I don't like. Obviously, he's got that cannon for an arm. It's like it is an absolute rocket. He throws a really, really pretty ball.
1: And it, it's better than Josh Allen's too, right? Like he can throw outside the numbers. He can lead his wide receivers pretty good. He gives wide receivers the you know that chance all the time. I, I like his arm.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's a, He's got a cannon. And then, you know, you get into his athleticism. He is kind of sneaky athletic. He I believe he I believe he had a big run in the senior bowl. Um, as well as, you know, he's good at getting out of the pocket. He he can pick up those third downs when you need. Uh so, so I do like that part of his game. But then, you know, when you look at the fireballs that he's throwing out there, I wanna see him kind of take a little bit off sometimes. Sometimes he'll throw those short routes and he's just gunning at guys. Or you got a running back coming out into the flat and he just guns it to him. Where I'd like to see him take a little bit off there. And you know, I think he he could give his guys a little bit more of a chance. And I think you are gonna have to live with some inaccuracies with him. I saw a lot of air mails and dirt balls when uh, when I was watching him. But I think he has a lot a lot of tools to work with. And uh, I think he's gonna go high in the draft because there's gonna be a team who thinks that they can develop those tools. Uh, and you know, those tools are definitely there.
1: Yeah, there, there's always teams that think they can do it and see the best in these players for sure. And I, I just don't think he's super accurate, though, not consistently. He can he can be really frustrating. He holds onto the ball. Not He doesn't see guys that are wide open all the time. He's just one of those quarterbacks, you know, and he doesn't work through reads. He just doesn't have that killer instinct, that X factor that we see in Joe Burrow, we see into a Tiger and he just seems to crumble at times, and that goes into strength of competition because a lot of the knocks on Justin Herbert get really exposed against tougher competition, and... You know, he, he doesn't do the things we really want to see elite quarterbacks do, and that's perform under pressure. And you, you mentioned the Hill Marys. You're right, man. Like, he just airs it out a lot of the times. And, yeah, but it's interesting, though, because he does have those big time throws for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I liked what you said about uh, him reading the defense. I think I'm pretty curious to see him attack an NFL playbook because a lot of his work with Oregon was to hit the first read or to get outside the numbers and only read half of the field so it's going to be interesting to see what happens when he has to go through his third and fourth progressions in the NFL Um, you know it's uh, he's going to need to take a big leap there for me and I think with some of the mistakes that he makes, he, he does trust his arm a little bit too much. He throws off his back foot sometimes, and that can definitely get him into trouble. So there are some flags there with Justin Herbert. I want to dig in a little bit more. I want to see the landing spot. So like I said, I'm not 100% sure if I've formed my opinion fully on him yet. But um, yeah, there's some pros and cons, definitely.
1: Yeah, in my opinion, I don't think anyone's ever going to be able to form our opinion on justin herbert even if he succeeds at the next level has a big season for fantasy which you know would be relative because when we talk about these profile quarterbacks you know quarterback eight to ten is probably his upside but what i'm saying is we saw some pretty serious inconsistency in college from year to year so it wouldn't surprise me if he has a big year down year big year down year like he's never going to be a really valuable asset and you're you're going to end up overpaying for this guy in super flex drafts but You know, if we go back to it, it, I do appreciate a lot of what Justin Herbert does. You know, I I agree that we're nitpicking at this point, but we have to once we're talking about these quarterbacks for somebody you might take on your dynasty team that you're hoping to have for five or six years at, you know, producing for you. But, you know, if you look back to his college years, he kind of burst on the scene in 2016 when he, he became a true freshman starter and he looked really good. And then 2017, he had a really hot start, but he broke his collarbone. He missed five games and you know the offense in Oregon who was scoring 50 points per game uh in the first 5 games they went 4 and 1 they fell to 15 points per game while going 1 and 4 without Justin Herbert so you really can get the feel for how important Justin Herbert is to you know his team and you can kind of see that the situation was just horrible around him you know what i mean he didn't have the situation to had he didn't have the situation Joe Burrow had and in 2018 uh it was his third year in college. It was also his third coaching staff in college. So he's really just been the victim of a lot of circumstance. And, he, you know, we we might get to see him be worked on. You know what I mean? We always see GM say they can fix this guy. We can fix Josh Allen, whatever. It might work with, with Justin Herbert.
0: Yeah, dude, that's really, really well put. That uh, you know, that speaks to the tools that the guy has because he does have a lot. You know, he's mobile. We talked about that arm. I I think he's got the tools there. He's just gotta clean some stuff up. And I you know, landing spot's gonna be huge for him. Do you think he goes top ten?
1: I think he definitely goes top ten. Do you? Do you think someone trades up for him? We talked about too. Do you think a team trades up for Herbert?
0: Mm, that's a that's a really good question. I too think he's gonna go inside the top ten. I think they're probably going to have to because the Panthers and the Chargers are sitting right there. And exactly. if they're, if some team's going to want to come in and get them, they're going to have to move up ahead of those two. And it's going to take a lot to do it. So I could see it happening for sure.
1: Yeah. The lions should be double trading back is what they should be doing. Trading back for two, uh, to Miami trading back for whoever, mm-hmm. because A lot of teams like Justin Herbert and, you know, obviously the Chargers and Carolina, they're definitely the teams that are most likely to be able to get their hands on him because of how close they pick to where he's able, uh, where he's likely to go. But I also, you know, I wouldn't count someone like Jacksonville out. They have two first round picks. They pick at number nine. They pick at number 20. I know it sounds silly, but, you know, Gardner Menchu is not everybody's favorite. And, you know, Nick Foles is going to be traded. Oakland another team I definitely watch they're moving to Vegas they want a little bit of you know razzle dazzle I'm sure they have number 12 pick they also have the number 19 pick and I think Indianapolis Colts are very much in play as well they have the 13th pick the number 33 pick and the number 44 pick so I think Los Angeles Chargers Carolina definitely the most likely for Justin Herbert but Jacksonville Oakland and Indy are three dark horse teams that I really think have the assets to make it happen.
0: Yeah, I like those. I'd kind of like to see him in Jacksonville with those receivers.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you said it. he has some really appealing tools his size, mobility, arm strength, all of that is what you're looking for, especially if it was 10 years ago. <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> uh, just saying it out loud, it's like not exactly what I'm looking for, especially from a fantasy uh, perspective. Yeah, for real. But he, sure. he doesn't have that dog mentality. That's what I'm saying. Like, he doesn't blow you out of the water. Uh, from a prospect evaluation perspective. And he he struggles at some areas that leave me really squeamish on Justin Herbert. He doesn't read defenses. He has trouble going through progressions. He doesn't always make the right decision. And most of his negative attributes just are popping off screen against tough opponents. It's really tough. So Trav, single quarterback, we know we'll have zero shares of Justin Herbert probably in, you know, fantasy redraft or even single quarterback dynasty leagues. I'll take him if he's there in the fourth. But even then, I doubt I would. I'll probably take like. Salvin Ahmed because he's he'll run at 4 3 at the combine, right? <laughs> and I think the same goes for me for Superflex. And I think if you're doing Superflex best ball drafts before these quarterbacks have landing spots in the NFL draft, I think Tua and Justin Herbert, they're gonna be almost the same price and they'll have similar ADPs, I think. And in really early FFPC Superflex Best Balls, Herbert is the quarterback thirty-three and Tua is the quarterback thirty-four.
0: Yeah, that's some pretty good value out of the quarterback two spot, especially because those could be like your third quarterbacks on your roster. So I dig that.
1: Yeah, they definitely would be. Would you rather have Phillip Rivers or take a shot on Justin Herbert?
0: I'm probably taking a shot on Justin Herbert. Why not? What
1: about Gardner Minshew?
0: Ooh, that's that's a good one. Um, That's super landing spot dependent. I think I go Gardner by a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think I'd take Rivers and Gardner before landing spot. And then Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jacoby Brissett, either of those two you want over them? Mm. I'll take both of them over them right now. So
0: yeah, maybe maybe right now, but I could see that flipping easily.
1: Those are the four quarterbacks going ahead of them in ADP. And what about Andy Dalton going right below Herbert and Tua?
0: Uh, I think I'd probably go Herbert.
1: I'll take Tua over all those guys except Rivers and Minshew. And I actually did take Tua in my first best ball of the year.
0: (laughs) Nice. I like it. I took Tua in uh, that rookie mock draft that that I've been doing um, at the 208 in a one quarterback. So not super flex, but at the 208 in a one quarterback. So just to show people a little bit of the value that's out there right now.
1: Yeah, I imagine I'll be targeting him in the late second there. So, who's your uh, quarterback three? Is it? I guess it is it Justin is Herbert, Justin I imagine. Justin Herbert, yeah, yeah. So, so who's your quarterback foe?
0: Quarterback foe. I got uh, Jake Fromm from Georgia.
1: Nice, nice. Yeah, I think,
0: you know, he had, he had a solid quarterback career at uh, Georgia. He started there as a freshman. Uh, he actually caused Jacob Eason to transfer because Eason had uh, the starting role, got hurt in the first game, and then Jake Fromm took over. And then from there, he just grabbed the bull by the horns. He wasn't, uh, you know, a big numbers guy. He didn't really put up the gaudy stats that Burrow and Tua put up, but uh, he was a really, he was probably like a game manager plus, I would say. He actually only had one game in his college career where he cleared 300 yards. So, you know, you like to see a little bit more in the stats department, but I think we know what Jake Fromm is. He's not going to be one of those guys that creates, he's going to be a distributor. He's going to need the playmakers around him to kind of elevate him a little bit or hold down their end of the bargain. Uh, But I think in the right offense, he could definitely do that in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I really like Jake Fromm, especially from like a real NFL perspective. Obviously, this being a fantasy top five focused uh, pod, you know, he doesn't even crack my top five in this class. And you know, I could see, number one, Jake Fromm has maybe as high as Justin Herbert, but definitely higher than Jordan Love and uh, Jalen Hurts, who are the two guys that round out my top five. Uh, Jake Fromm has a higher probability of hitting, that's for sure. I'm just not sure the ceiling is there. Top five ceiling in fantasy just won't be a part of anybody's argument no. for Jake Fromm. Yeah, and for me, the fact is his upside's about top 12-ish, if that. But his upside puts him in a huge tier of quarterbacks that exist, you know, and these quarterbacks we can find every year and even stream for the most part. And I acknowledge Jake Fromm has probably the highest probability of hitting outside of the top three quarterbacks, but his hit just wouldn't be big, you know. I, I really just ended up describing roster construction <laughs> instead of talking about Jake Fromm, but yeah, I like him more in super flex, obviously, where quarterbacks like him are very valuable, but quarterbacks like him also end up getting kind of overvalued as well. And I do want. I do want quarterbacks in my Superflex rookie drafts, though. That's kind of where the argument really comes into play. But with this class, I'm not sure I'll be able to even keep my word there because of all the wide receivers and running backs. However, we, you know, Trav, like, quarterbacks are never cheaper than they are in Dynasty startups and rookie drafts. Even if they feel expensive, existing Dynasty Superflex leagues... Uh, quarterbacks are priced way too high. so yeah, you just can't leave yourself needy at quarterback in Superflex. yeah. and you know, Trav, I also like Jake Fromm much more in six point passing touchdown leagues. People don't talk about that enough. Six point passing touchdown leagues can make all the difference between someone like Jake Fromm and Jordan Love in your rankings.
0: Yeah, I like that point because he's not going to give you the rushing upside. so you know he he kind of takes an advantage back in those six point uh, touchdown leagues. I like that
1: and J- jake from's good man like his pff grade was above 80 in all three seasons you know i kind of thought he might go back for to college this year to be honest but you know i i think we could agree that he needs good landing spot mm-hmm. and high draft capital to get my attention for fantasy like to really grab our attention yeah
0: for sure I think that's kind of the backbone of me having him ranked this high Um, I I totally agree with what you say about his fantasy ceiling not being that high but I think the draft capital is probably going to help him get some starts um, which is more than I can say for the next couple guys on my list so that's kind of kind of why I have him at the four spot Um, I just like him as a leader too you know three-year starter we talked beforehand Ty about how he was in that quarterback one show uh, profiling him as a high school player and if you see Jake Fromm he's just like the nicest guy he's one of those like Good old boy, super happy kid, Um, just loves playing football. It's kind of what he eats and breathes. So um, I like the guy as a leader. I think guys are gonna rally behind him, and he takes care of the ball really, really well. He's a smart decision maker. He's he's pretty accurate. Uh, He's definitely the pure pocket passer. So you're not gonna get that rushing upside, but um, you you said it perfectly about the landing spot. That's gonna be everything for him. It's gonna kind of make or break whether I want to go after him and. Maybe make sure I get him by picking him a little bit higher in those Super Flex rookie drafts, or you know whether I want to just let him fall and see who who wants to take him, unless he slips big.
1: Yeah, and it's weird because we just haven't heard a lot of uh, teams connected to Jake Fromm yet, because we've heard a lot of teams connected to a lot of these quarterbacks so far. So I'm gonna I'm gonna roll into my quarterback four, and there has been connections made with him in NFL teams. I'm going to Jordan Love here, uh, big boy, six four, two twenty three. 10 and 5 eighths inch hand size that's 96 percentile he's out of utah state i'm somewhat surprised kind of like jake Fromm, that he did come out this year uh he had a 72nd percentile breakout age his best season was his 2018 season as a sophomore he did not look great this past year uh Jordan Love had a really big jump onto the scene in 2018. And yeah, he has all the physical tools, uh, big arm size, including hand size. And Love is very athletic. His deep ball is exquisite. Love's got the arm talent, the touch, the velocity. He got to throw the ball a lot at Utah State. And he has some cool tendencies. He throws the ball from weird angles and all that kind of cool stuff. And yeah, he seems set to be a top fifteen pick in the NFL draft. And I, I'm just not sure I'm there right now. I definitely worry about him staying on the field uh, because of turnovers and some stuff like that that could stunt his development. How how are you feeling about Jordan Love? Am I a little bit high on Jordan Love?
0: Um, no, I think you're probably right in line. Um, I do have him as my quarterback five, so he'd be the next guy up on my list. But uh, I think you said it perfectly. He's another tools guy. He's got the arm talent. He's got the athleticism. Um, but those turnovers did rear their ugly head this past season. Uh, so that is definitely a concern for me and probably why I have him behind Jake Fromm. Uh, but like you said, he's, he's got all the tools, man. The arm talent, he's got a really quick release. He's always keeping his eyes downfield. So when he gets out of the pocket, he's not a run first guy. He's looking to throw the ball um you know I want to see a little <laughs> bit more accuracy out of him but yeah
1: he might want to run it a little more yeah
0: on those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure but uh you know I like the package if somebody can coach him up and and insulate him with a good mm-hmm. offense I, I do think he could succeed in the league and I think you're right that some team is probably going to get really hyped on those tools and probably take him in you know the top 15 20 of the NFL draft
1: yeah, everybody loves him, it seems like. And it kind of blows my mind. In 2019, he had 30 big-time throws. He had 26 turnover-worthy plays. That was fourth most in college football, the turnover-worthy plays. Those are like Daniel Jones numbers from the NFL last year or like Sam Darno at USC numbers. <laughs> Just a, a lot of a lot sticks out that scares me. And, you know, he had the most interceptions when throwing in a tight coverage. Like Yeah. He, he, It's just weird that he took such a major step back in 2019, but he's just flying up draft boards. And for fantasy purposes, Trav, check this out. In 2018 at Utah State, he had seven rushing touchdowns. In 2019, he had zero. And on 60 more pass attempts, Jordan Love had less passing yards. His yards per attempt fell a yard and a half. And he had almost half as many touchdowns, from 39 total touchdowns in 2018 down to 20 in 2019. And he threw almost three times as many interceptions in 2019 as he had in his previous 25 games of his college career combined. He had six interceptions in both 2017 and 2018. He threw 17 picks last year. And yeah, man, his his wins above replacement was seven times worse than Jake Fromm, who we just talked about. Like, I just I, I think it's really funny how he's being valued so high. But, you know, we talk about these teams he's connected to. Do you want to get into landing spots or do you want to offer any more uh, any more thoughts on on Jordy Love? No,
0: I think that's really well put. I think landing spots is going to be one of the most important pieces to talk about when it comes it's, to yeah. Jordan Love, right? Because, you know, the team that takes him is going to maybe have to be a little bit patient. If I'm an NFL team, I'm not going to want him to start day one. Um, but it really depends on that team and how needy they are. So what do you think some good spots for him?
1: Well, you know, a lot of this is kind of projections like, having Jordan love at four over Jalen hurts is kind of just projecting for draft capital. I like Jalen hurts more as a prospect, to be honest. I think, you know, he has a higher floor as well for fantasy, but he could get drafted three rounds later than Jordan love. So just like that, I'm kind of predicting where he could go. It's not where I want him to go. I want him to go to the Steelers, but you know, they just don't have the draft capital to make that happen. So I think Indianapolis makes a lot of sense, especially because they, they've been rumored to be willing to use that first round pick to take Jordan love. So and he had most of his. I, I don't even think it's a very good landing spot because he had most of his production on ten plus yard throws. Whereas wide receiver also had separation, like both of those things had to occur. And lots of dots are being connected between Love and Indianapolis. And T Y Hilton seems like a player who can create that separation with Frank Wright being more than capable of designing those plays. But you know it's not two thousand seventeen anymore, and Hilton's hitting thirty years old. Durability is a concern. I'd kind of rather see the Raiders spend one of their first round picks on him for fantasy purposes. What do you think of that? Vegas, I
0: like that. I think that would be definitely a hot John Gruden pick going into Vegas, uh, going into that Death Star Stadium to build a little bit of buzz. That would be be a pretty interesting landing spot to pair him up with old Chucko. Um, but personally, I think Indy is probably the best case Ontario. They've got a good offensive line. Uh, they got mm-hmm. T.Y. Hilton, um, who I still like, and I think he can still produce a little bit. And then, uh, I think we both kind of like Paris Campbell. He didn't show too much in his rookie year, but I think he can probably progress, especially in that Frank Reich offense. So I think for me, Indy is kind of the best spot for him.
1: Yeah, I just think there's like this scenario where they, you know, the Raiders take him, They take like Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb with that other first rounder. You got Josh Jacobs, Jalen Rashard, Darren Waller, all these players who, you know, stand to prop up their quarterback. They excel close to the line of scrimmage and after the catch. I think it, I think both are really good landing spots, yeah. to be honest.
0: Yeah, I like and it. And
1: I, I think almost anywhere else in the first round would be kind of a bad landing spot, to be honest.
0: Mm-hmm. Especially for fantasy, right? If If he goes somewhere where we think he has a clear path to starting, like those two teams all right sign me up I'll entertain finding him where his value's at but if he goes somewhere where he's got an entrenched starter that he's gonna have to supplant then I'm kind of a little bit more off on him you know okay Ty so I gave you my quarterback five with Jordan Love who is your quarterback four so give me your quarterback five
1: yeah I wanted to talk about Jalen Hurts he's my quarterback five I don't think we can do a fantasy quarterback show for these rookies and not mentioned Jalen Hurts like this guy has had an incredible college career his breakout age is 100 percentile college yards per attempt 98 percentile I know he's a tricky guy I'll give my thoughts right away he needs to run fast we better see him run at the combine Mm -hmm. Uh, I think he could make himself a lot of money by running lower than like a 4-7 and that's sort of the threshold if Jalen runs any slower than a 4-7 I'll be totally out on him like quarterback 7 in this class but it gets back to what I was kind of hinting at. Jalen Hurts, if he hits for fantasy, he will hit big. Justin Herbert, Jake Fromm, guys like that, they are more likely to hit. I I know that, but they might be high-end quarterback twos, you know what I mean? That's kind of their ceiling or their their mid-range, what they're most likely to be in fantasy, and I'm not sure I see myself starting those guys in the next couple of years. I imagine I'll have better options, and there's just too many better options at a super deep quarterback position, and if Jalen Hurts hits, we'll be, we'll be pumped to start him. We'll be pumped because he has top five weekly upside, and I think what, what I'm getting is his improvement in college is just so, it was so underrated and it, I, I just think he had such a spectacular college career. It's hard to just completely dismiss him, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure, man. I, uh, I, I'll I admit that I do have a little bit more digging into Jalen Hurts before I form that opinion, but I think he needs some work as a passer and what you're looking for in fantasy is all of that rushing work, obviously. Uh, he had over 1,200 yards, I think, this past season rushing, which is stellar. He's going to need a lot of work in the passing game. But if he could find a creative offense, just like uh, how Lamar Jackson found Greg Roman, I'm not necessarily comparing Jalen Hurts to Lamar Jackson. But I think if he could find a good marriage like that one was, I think he could be used really well. And like you said, he's, he's one of those guys that could give you that dark horse top five upside in fantasy. So I like it, man. I like him at the five spot.
1: Yeah, and you said the concerns in the past game. You're definitely right there. In 2019, he had just 19 big-time throws. And just to put that in context, Jalen transferred to Oklahoma, a system that's so conducive to quarterback production. Uh, If we talk about 19 big-time throws for Jalen, look back. Kyler Murray had 29 the season before, and Baker Mayfield had 35 big-time throws in 2017. So it kind of makes you wonder why Nick Saban gave his ringing endorsement for Jalen Hurts, but... I, I really like Jalen Hurts, and obviously his upside is his is rushing. And, in, you know, if you look at his college career, it's just really remarkable, though. Like, he he improved his college BFF grade by almost 10-point increments in all three of his seasons, culminating in an elite grade in 2019. It's just, he just dominated so, so much in college for two top five college football teams. It's just, I'm never dismissing this guy until he fails. You know, the, the one the one thing is the combine, though, for sure. But, you know, Trev, you mentioned those rushing yards. He also had 20 rushing touchdowns last year. So, Ooh. you know, he had over 5,000 total yards, over 50 touchdowns last year, and the third most designed runs by anybody not a running back in college football. And, you know, when he had to scramble 25% of the time, those went for 10 plus yards. And I, I don't know. It didn't seem like a great fit when he transferred to Oklahoma, but he just proved everyone wrong he was the second highest graded quarterback behind joe burrow in 2019 and he was also the runner-up to joe burrow for the heisman trophy this year so how will he test at the combine he reportedly ran a sub four five at alabama a couple years ago but yeah his his combine performance it might be even more than just his speed how does he look during the quarterback drills will be important i'm sure we'll get into that closer to the combine Trav. but quarterback drills are usually almost irrelevant to me I'm more interested in hearing how the interviews went, the interview process, and the medicals are the best takeaways from the Combine and what teams are visiting which, which players or whatever. And, you know. But Jalen Hurts, he has a lot to gain or lose, more than anybody at quarterback, really, at the Combine.
0: Yeah, I like I like that for sure. He's gonna he's gonna have the chance to show it off, and I really hope he does all that uh, all that he can at the combine. But I'm kind of skeptical on him running the forty there.
1: Yeah, me too. Actually, to be honest, like him actually going out and running it. So you know that'll probably trickle down to his draft capital. Then what do you, do you think he's gonna be inside or outside the top one hundred picks of the NFL draft?
0: Mm, that's interesting. I think. Yeah, the, the, definitely the testing ties into that. But I would probably hedge towards inside the top 100 just because he is a bit of a tantalizing talent. Uh, um, so I, I think somebody so. bites. I think
1: he's going to go outside.
0: You think he's going outside?
1: Yeah, I think he's probably going to go in the fourth round or something. And, you know, I hope somebody steps up. I just think it's such a deep draft class this year that we won't see like the Christian Hackenbirds. But, you know, if... That it's really sad for, it's devastating, to be honest, for fantasy purposes. With his profile in college production, if he was to get top 50 draft capital, he would have historical comps to, like, Dak, Tyrod, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, like, really high-end fantasy producers. But he would need that third, you know, trifecta or whatever from Zelda. And that's the draft capital.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So that's all I got on the quarterback. Should we hit the tight ends?
0: So why don't you hook up your tight end one?
1: Okay, my tight end one is the easy one. Uh, I don't have any debates to have with myself at tight end this year, really. Hunter Bryant out of Washington. He's 6'2", almost 240 pounds, so a total in-line tight end, like a 100% receiving tight end. And get ready to hear this all offseason. Hunter Bryant comps to Evan Ingram. He's also young, and he just had a huge breakout last year. He saw a 20% market share in 2019, over 50 catches, over 800 yards receiving. If we had to find something to say negative about Hunter Bryant, I'll question his touchdown nose. Having just three touchdowns and over 20% of your team's targets as a tight end, uh, over 80 targets last year, that's kind of disappointing. And for rookie tight ends, we know the lack of production. So usually I pass on tight ends in rookie drafts and obviously in redraft. Uh, but you know, I'm, I'm really interested in Hunter Bryant this year. Who's your tight end one?
0: My tight end one right now is actually Cole Komet. Uh, So a little bit different from you. Hunter Bryant is actually my tight end too. Uh, But I like Cole Komet. He's a big boy. He moves really well for his size. Um, For for that size, he gets in and out of his breaks really nice. And I I like the hands. He's a hands catcher, which I really like to see. So uh, for me so far, it's Cole Komet. I really like Hunter Bryant. But I think Cole Komet's got some untapped potential. And uh, yeah, I I like uh, the way he plays for how big he is.
1: Yeah, I think he's a total draft Capital argument Because I if he goes in the second round Which I hope he does He'll definitely go up my board more
0: mm-hmm, For sure man He lined up all over the place And you know It's really cool to see a guy His size lined up outside And catching screen passes at times And I think he's He's got some work to go In the in the blocking department As far as being a three down guy But I think he's got uh, He's got the frame And I think he's probably got The f- football IQ To be able to do that If he gets the right coaching So yeah That's just kind of why He's my, my number one Is because I think he could be a 3 down tight end.
1: Yeah, he definitely has the size to be, but he di- he definitely didn't get the work in college. I mean, he never saw over 15% in Notre Dame's sure. targets and you know, he didn't even score a touchdown until this past season. He's definitely no Tyler Eifert or Kyle Rudolph coming out of Notre Dame, that's mm-hmm.
0: for sure. Yeah, good point. Good point. Uh but, that's why I said like untapped a little bit cuz yeah, like you said, he didn't he didn't really have any big seasons there. I think he had just over 500 yards this past year, so um you definitely want to see a little bit more in the production, but uh yeah, I like the player. And then my quarterback too, like I said, is Hunter Bryant. You know, everything you said, the Evan Ingram comp is really nice. He is going to be that uh, little bit undersized move tight end. Uh, I expect him to catch a lot of passes if he goes to the right spot, though. He was third in college football in tight end receiving yards uh, behind Harrison Bryant and Bryson Hopkins. So... I like him as a pass catching guy. And I think in fantasy, he's the kind of guy that you want to go for because you know that he's going to have that role. They're not going to be messing around by keeping him in on the line. He's going to be out there to catch passes. So uh, I like that. I like that uh, Hunter Bryant at number two. And he was pretty close to being my number one, but I'm going to keep him back there at two. So why don't you give me your tight end too, Ty?
1: Yeah. And I just want to point out, you know, we comp uh, Hunter Bryant to Evan Ingram and we got to remember Evan Ingram's pretty much the only guy in recent memory who performed as a rookie for fantasy as a tight end. But my number two is Adam Troutman, and it's just uh, one of those things where he's really rose, rose up my board over uh, the last month or two or so, and especially since the Senior Bowl. He's a big, giant senior out of Dayton, so a small school guy. He has size, he's shown durability, he's shown to be a touchdown scorer, and we know tight end fantasy is driven by touchdowns, so it's an interesting conversation since Hunter Bryant's biggest concern is will he score touchdowns after he, you know, he didn't score many in college, and Adam Troutman had 23 touchdowns in his last 22 college games. So and a, a quick note on Dominator, Trav, I, I like to point this stuff out because we're talking about a small school guy. Troutman, he does have an elite college dominator. 38.1% on player profile. It's 97th percentile. And on that note, you know, Adam Troutman did the other job a small school guy is tasked with during the draft process. He came out, looked really good during the senior bowl. And yeah, like sticking with the strength of competition, we can also argue someday about if we think maybe he'll experience a learning curve or steeper than others because it is a big leap when these guys from a small school come into the NFL. I think back to someone like Adam Shaheen who I was really high on and just didn't plan out. But, you know, he also comes in as an older prospect who played four years and maybe maybe that can bridge the divide. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I like Adam Troutman a lot. I flip-flopped a little bit on him and I'm going to do a little bit more work on him. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's going to be a good player, man.
1: So who do you think gets drafted first out of the three guys we've talked about? Cole Komet, Mm -hmm. I think
0: Troutman Troutman's uh, senior bowl helped him out a lot but I think it's probably still going to be Cole Komet
1: oh really I think Hunter Bryant's kind of a lock to be first out of those
0: guys. yeah for sure I'm still not quite sure I've just seen in a few mock drafts Cole Komet going near like the top of the second which might be a little bit hefty for me but uh, yeah it's just kind of what I've seen but it it could easily be Hunter Bryant Uh, I'm not locked in on that one yet all right, so I'm going to get into my tight end three. My tight end three is actually Harrison Bryant from Florida Atlantic. Uh, to my knowledge, no uh, relation to Hunter Bryant. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think Harrison Bryant was a huge, huge receiving threat at Florida Atlantic. This year, he was the only tight end in college football to eclipse 1,000 yards. So um, that's a huge share of Florida Atlantic's work. He showed some really good after-the-catch ability. That 1,000-plus yards was 26% of the team's receiving yards, so that's really, really nice. And uh I think he could be kind of a sneaky guy that could get some good work.
1: Oh, yeah. I love Harrison Bryant. He's the John Mackey Award winner right. in 2019, which is, the, yeah, given, awarded to the top tight end in the nation. TJ Hawkinson and Mark Andrews, those are the most recent recipients. I think Mark Andrews is not mm-hmm. a bad comp when it comes to where, you know, he got drafted a little bit later than people were expecting in the draft. That could happen to Harrison Bryant, but we shouldn't give up on him for fantasy purposes because he will be a fantasy tight end. That's for sure and yeah man he was the most productive tight end in college football last year and he was the go-to guy in that owl's offense that's what we like to see and he he had elite pff receiving grades all of his years in college he had 3.04 yards per row run last year so that's that's what you want to see and harrison bryant's a guy that well i have Cole commit ahead of him because of the draft capital i'm anticipating for Cole commit it seems like it's getting smaller and smaller to the point where i just i, I may as well just put harrison bryant ahead
0: of him already. yeah <laughs> yeah for sure i like it man so uh cats out of the bag there cole Komet is your tight end three then
1: he is yeah and and you know cats out of the bag i do think he will get the draft capital over harrison bryant unfortunately because like you said he has that skill set where he can he can fill out to be in every down every down tight totally end. man
0: how how many cats do we have in this bag eh? <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking cats everywhere as man as many
1: as they got lives <laughs> crazy cat pod
0: yeah exactly Okay, and to uh, let let one last cat out of the bag there, I guess you said that Harrison Bryant was your tight end four, but you may flip-flop him with Cole Komet. So uh, regardless, Cole Komet and Harrison Bryant will be in your 3-4 slot somewhere. And just to go back real quick, my tight end four is Adam Troutman. So I know you talked about him as your tight end two, so I won't take a bunch of time on him. Uh, but everything you said, the athleticism, uh, he's a former basketball guy, and uh, he had a lot of work at Dayton. He had a really good senior bowl. And I think... You know, I think this could be a guy that we could be talking about in a few years as the best tight end to come out of this class, but it really depends on where it goes and how much work he gets because the athletic profile is fantastic on Adam Troutman. So yeah, so he's my tight end for.
1: I like it. And I think, you know, his draft capital could be very telling. He could go anywhere from second to the fourth round. And if he does go in the second round, it means the team has a plan on using him.
0: for Yeah, sure. big time.
1: So, Trav, before you give me your tight end five, this kind of feels like a tier break for me uh, when it comes to these four tight ends. I know a lot of people have one more tight end in this group, uh, like kind of a five man tier. What What's your tiers looking like in this in this rookie class? Yeah, really? I
0: think it's a four person tier for me. Um, the fifth guy, you know, my my tight end five is pretty close. Uh, but I think for me, draft capital, um, taken into account I think it's a four-person tier how about you
1: yeah I'm, I'm definitely on the four-man tier here uh Bryson Hawkins is the guy that a lot of people would have in this tier as well I, I'm just I'm not there yet I need to see him I just want to make sure he blazes I, I just I don't see myself getting him too much higher because I'm already factoring in how athletic and everything is so I I think there's I think there's about three or four guys after this group that are very interesting for mm-hmm. sure and that those names don't include Thaddeus Moss just so people know and I don't mean to intentionally take a shot on him. I just don't have him in, like, my top seven tight mm-hmm, ends, I don't
0: For think. sure, for sure.
1: I actually – I like the other guy, Sullivan or whatever, the converted mm-hmm. wide receiver. I like that guy from LSU. Yeah,
0: <laughs> nice. I like it. Yeah, so to round out the top five, you mentioned him, Bryson Hopkins. Um, kid out of Purdue. He was second in the nation in tight end receiving yards with 830. Uh, he had over 13 yards per – he had over 13 yards per reception, so there's definitely some big playability there. He was actually tied with Harrison Bryant at that 26% of his team's receiving yards for tops among tight ends. Um, So he did have a big piece of that uh, workload at Purdue. And yeah, I just think he's a bit of a load to bring down. I could see him having some really good after the catch ability and he's a decent blocker. So uh, depending where he goes, depending on draft capital, um, some teams could have him in a a five person tier where we have that four person tier. But uh, what do you think about Bryson Hopkins? Is he your tight end five?
1: Yeah, I mean, Bryson Hopkins is, he's not in my top five. He's just outside of it. He is my tight end six or seven. I haven't really decided in my six and seven range here yet, but he just doesn't, he doesn't check any of the boxes when it comes to metrics and stuff. I know it's kind of a, a cop out because I haven't watched a lot of his tape, <laughs> <laughs> so kind of just going off a lot of the numbers, but his breakout age and arm length are both bottom 15th percentile His dominator and yards per route run. They're bottom 75th percentile at, or they're sorry, they're under the 75th percentile and you know, he does, he has had some production and everything, is, but I just think his 2019 season was kind of just an outlier when it comes to his production. So, you know, he had almost 95 targets, I think he had 95 targets in 2019, his efficiency didn't come up too much, and, you know, his explosive plays ranked top five in 2019, but I just think he lacks a lot of the stuff that's going to be able to translate into that, like, elite Evan Ingram style tight end, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I see that. I see that 100%, man. I'm totally with you that this, you know, five to eight range is a little bit mucky for me. I got some more work to do on these guys. But uh, yeah, for now, I'm sticking with Bryson Hopkins. So you mentioned he's not in your top five. Who is your tight end five?
1: Well, really quick on on Bryson Hopkins, I do think he's a guy who can fly up my board because of landing spot, you know, and I don't do that with a lot of tight ends. But if somebody drafts him higher than I'm anticipating, it'll be to use him as a weapon. We see that with these move tight ends, right? Because he is kind of a Noah fan profile mm-hmm. player, so like he's he's less of a tight end than than he is more of a weapon. So we'll see how how he's approached. So sorry to keep going on with Bryson Hopkins <laughs> there. So my number five, uh, my number five guy, I didn't even want to put him in because I can't pronounce his name, <laughs> Albert Okwenguubana. O- o- K- G- 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 M- 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 but I, I've already established I'm calling him A-OK. I uh, love a, it, dude. A-OK. He's a junior out of Missouri. <laughs> he's just such a big boy. He's 6'5", 255. His college dominators, 90th percentile. He averaged over 12 yards per reception during his three years at Missouri. He had a really young breakout age, 19.4. He had 11 touchdowns as a 19-year-old. And yeah, a breakout age, college dominator, both elite. So was his production. And he, he was never even fully unleashed either at Missouri, so... He never hit 15% target share. His best season was 13% of uh, the market share. So another guy with AOK that's going to come down to draft capital. But I, I really like him. I really like his profile for sure. And I've watched a little bit of him, and he, I, I really like him, especially I watched a little bit of that 2017 tape for fun.
0: Nice, man. Admittedly, I haven't watched any of AOK's tape, but I am still AOK with you ranking him at number five there. Um, I've looked at some of the numbers as well, and it looks really, really good. He stacks up really nicely with these top tight ends, actually. So uh, yeah, landing spot's going to be huge for him. But like I said, I'm AOK with that ranking, dude.
1: One guy we should mention on this episode is Jared Pinkney. I I just think it's wild how far he's fallen. He came into the the process last offseason Expecting to be a really, really high draft pick, but you know his PFF grade in twenty eighteen was seventy eight point five. That dropped to fifty three point eight in twenty nineteen. His receiving grade was very similar. I, I just I haven't seen this big of a drop off from a guy who was talked about it possibly as the number one tight end in this class coming into the season.
0: I like that, man. Sort of a guy to be wary of, but to keep an eye on for sure, because there have to be some tools if he was touted that highly previously. One actually last guy that I want to mention, you already mentioned him, is just Thaddeus Moss. Um, I'm not really going to talk about him as a dark horse guy to produce. I just think he's somebody to monitor and to maybe not get too sucked into, um, because a lot of people see that he played for that LSU prolific offense. Obviously, he's Randy Moss's kid, but I think, you know, He has a lot of red flags for me. He's a bit of a clunky mover. His hands are decent enough, but I think his best attribute is his blocking ability. But I just basically want to say, don't expect a tight end version of uh, Randy Moss when you're thinking Thaddeus Moss, because I have seen a lot of people have have him in their top five, but I, I think that's not the case for both of us.
1: Yeah, I think it's one of those things where a lot of these people aren't familiarized with these tight ends yet, and so they just throw them in there for sure. I think the one other guy we should mention is O'Grady. I can't even remember his first Mm -hmm. name, O'Grady. I think
0: it's Cheyenne.
1: Cheyenne, yeah. Uh, That guy definitely one of the most talented tight ends, if not the most talented tight end in this class, but obviously just an incredible knucklehead, maybe one of the bigger off-field concern. Red flag guys we've seen in a long time. Obviously, Arkansas moved on from him during the season, so we don't even know if he's going to be playing football in 2020, but yeah Cheyenne O'Grady we definitely gotta remember that name
0: <laughs> gotta keep your eye out for O'Grady <laughs> yeah it sounds like he does not come with lucky charms <laughs> so <laughs> okay Ty I think that wraps up our quarterback and tight end talk for the rookies what do you think
1: yeah that's all I got I had fun tonight
0: all right beauty men. I want to talk a little bit about our sponsor uh, that is expand the box score uh, we've recently been diving heavy into the expand the box score stuff their college stats are like second to none there's a ton of good little nuggets in there um, a lot of the stats that you hear us dropping on this pod are from expand the box score and i just think it's kind of an essential resource if you're prepping for your drafts you want to get some of that research in uh, you definitely are going to want to check out expand the box score ty you loving it or what
1: i am digging it 100 percent. the database is always open
0: yeah, so along with that, we just want to let our listeners know that if you do decide to go get Expand the Box Score, and I personally recommend the college football and NFL package. Um, so usually it's 20 bucks per, say, league. Um, but if you get those two together, it's only 35 bucks. And if you use our promo code TrueNorth10, you can get 10% off that 35 bucks. So that's 350 off. You get it for just over 30 bucks. Uh, you know, you can't beat that value for all the information you're going to get. Make sure you go check out Expand the Box Score and uh, use that promo code to tell them we sent you. All right, Ty, so I know at the top we mentioned we were going to run through some of these quarterback needy teams as well as the quarterbacks who are free agents and potentially be traded, Um, but I think for the sake of time, because we want to do that topic some justice, we're going to save that for another episode, Um, so apologies for the listeners, we uh, set that expectation at the top of the show, but... The reason we're doing that is because we don't want to just fly through this stuff. We want to give some really good information. We want to provide some stats. We want to dig in and do some of this research for you guys and kind of lay it out how it how it deserves to be laid out for you. So um, yeah, we're going to save that for another episode. We've got lots of good content coming. So don't worry. We're, you know, hang in there with us. And we're going to give you a lot of information to kind of arm you with some tools and get some stuff in the chamber so you can pop off at your fantasy drafts.
1: Well said. and Yeah, we're definitely shifting our gear. Uh, We're still going to have a lot of redraft information, all that. I'm doing a lot of best ball work, but we're definitely going to be shifting our focus to these rookies here for the next month or two.
0: Yeah, it's so much fun to dive in. Hey, real quick, Ty, you mentioned that uh, you're diving into best balls and I just want to let the listeners know that Ty actually started a little bit of a best ball pod series. So he posted an episode uh, tonight we're recording on Tuesday night and Ty dropped the pod on Monday. It's, uh, It's a best ball live draft. So, Ty gives you a glimpse into his process, into his thoughts when he's going through a live best ball. It's uh it's pretty awesome to hear him there. He's, you know, a couple of bong hoots peppered in here and there between his picks, but he really gets into the process and how he builds a roster and he goes through the other guys' picks in his uh, in the draft and tells you why those may be good or not so good picks or or what he would have done there. So um it's a really, really good listen into the process, like I said, and as somebody who's gonna be getting a little bit heavier into best ball myself this year, it's really nice to hear him work through that draft and give different situations or why he picked this position over a different position at which spot in the draft so yeah ty those that's a really good pod and uh i'm excited to hear what you got for the best ball stuff yeah
1: i'll just it'll be stuff for beginners you know medium experts all that stuff for when it comes to best ball I'll do some intro stuff i'll do a lot of uh you know adp analysis hit rates you know win rates from last year all that kind of stuff
0: i love it the nerd stuff that we all love right you know it <laughs> love this it. is the
1: life we chose
0: yeah (laughs) exactly exactly don't touch my stapler (laughs) okay so with that we're gonna ride out we want to just say thanks to all of our listeners we really really appreciate you taking the time to listen to the pod even if you don't listen hit the website give us a download we don't care it helps the numbers and we really appreciate it Um, yeah so you can check that out on truenorthffb.com don't forget to follow us on twitter at truenorthffb my twitter handle is at tco14 ty where are you at
1: I am at TNFF Tyrell and yeah, make sure you follow the website and, uh, you know, just subscribe, go into your settings, delete after one week.
0: Yep. Giddy up. All right. So thanks. We'll see you guys next week. Peace.